0: That's the Mile High Hoops Podcast with me, Zach By. powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By. Presented by Superbook Sports on your home for the most Nuggets content, Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach Bai. And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your very busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to a win at home against the Charlotte Hornets on Sunday evening in a game that was both historical And kind of complicated and kind of disappointing all at once. Uh, What's up, guys? Hopefully you had a great weekend at the time of recording. It is Monday morning. I am going to try to keep my... um voice to um, a very reasonable level as it's still on the fritz. If you heard last episode, like I am battling, I am battling. I, I, I'm trying to make my way to uh, the all-star break, if you will, uh, which is Christmas break, uh, which is the the most time I ever take um, at any point uh, during the year. And I'm just battling me and my whole household is battling, battling like the nuggets at home against maybe one of the worst. No, not maybe one of the worst teams in the league. Um, definitely one of the worst teams in the league arguably the worst team in the league. And actually let's just go by the standings. They are the worst team in the league. <laughs> this is a team that has lost nine of their last 10 games. They have now lost eight in a row. Uh, this is a team that just got LaMelo ball back. Um, this is a team that may very well have the number one pick uh, in the NBA draft or, or, you know, I actually, I don't even know if they own their pick. I'm, I, uh, my gut says they do anyway. That's got nothing to do with the nuggets. These two teams could not be further apart from where they currently stand as a franchise. Uh, expectations, where they're going, Th- they couldn't be further apart. Um, and there they were, going all twelve rounds on Sunday evening. Um, that's not what we'll remember this game for, though. Let's start with a positive, okay? Let's let's. It's the beginning of the week. Let's be positive. Nikola Jokic was once again historic. I mean, this dude. We have run out of adjectives and ways to reframe uh, the greatness of the Joker, and we are at that um, same sort of dilemma. After Sunday night, Jokic goes for 40 points, a career-high 27 rebounds, in yet another triple-double that had the, uh, had the Nuggets beating the Hornets. Um, on Sunday night, and we'll get to the discouraging part of that in just a second. But positivity first, right? Uh, he had also had 10 assists. It's his fifth triple-double of the season. It is the 81st triple-double of his career. It's not going to be too long where we're going to have triple-double number 100. It's it's really not. Um, the frequency of these has... Um, has become, obviously, in the last couple of years, more of a regular thing, um, but not this type of triple-double. I mean, this is the type of triple-double, Will. Wilt Chamberlain is the only other player with at least 40 points, 27 rebounds, and 10 assists in an NBA game ever. Full stop. I mean, th- think about that. And we've come on here too many times here talking about Wilt and Jokic in the same sentence for about... Four seasons now for, for, for an array of, of things. Um, and this is just the latest installment, the latest chapter of the Jokic-Wilt Chamberlain um, comparisons. It's crazy. Now, Wilt did this four times, okay? And the last time he did it, it was 53 points, 32 rebounds, and 14 assists back in the late 60s um, when he was playing for, for Philadelphia, March of 1968. Um, It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Jokic is on another planet right now. He simply does not walk among us. He is in a different stratosphere, and he's actually turning the heat way up. Look at his last, I don't know, call it five games. Go back um, uh, one, two, three, yeah, five games, okay? Portland in early uh, December, on December 8th. 33 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Go back to the next game, December 10th against Utah at home. A 5-point win, 31 points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists. Go back three games, December 14th, a home win against uh, Washington. We talked about that in the podcast. It was like an all-star game with the scoring. Uh, It was a 141-128 victory. Jokic goes for 43 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists. The next game. Uh, against the Lakers on Friday night, which was an abject disaster. Jokic went for 25 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. And most recently at home on Sunday night against Charlotte, 40, 27, and 10. This guy has squarely put himself back into the MVP race. He is now, uh, he's he's not the leader in the clubhouse and won't be, I don't think, anytime soon um but you look at you look at the other guys that are currently in this category okay you look at the Jason Tatums you look at the Giannis Antetokounmpo Luka Dantich, Embiid I mean Jokic has to be right there and you know it, it it this is kind of um in a roundabout way kind of complicated because this was a season where Jokic was not supposed to be that guy because he had so much help around him. And what we're seeing, it's almost like an acknowledgement from Jokic here in the past week and a half or so. What I'm seeing is like an almost pseudo acknowledgement from the Joker that he still needs to do everything. I don't think this is how he wants to play. I really don't. Um, if you look at the odds right now, Jokic is now um behind Tatum, Antetokounmpo, Doncic and then it's the Joker. All right. He is he is 10 to 1 right now to win it. Do you guys know where he was last week? 20 to 1. So last week Jokic was 20 to 1, this week he's 10 to 1. He has cut his odds in half. And last week, while I was on the air, literally, while I was on the air, and I'll post the ticket uh, on Twitter, but while I was on the air, I actually bet Jokic to win MVP, and this was following the, um, the uh, Washington game. This was following the Washington game. We were talking about it. We're, we're, we're literally, like I said, we're literally on the air. And let me just see when I placed it. Um, at 1.02 in the afternoon on Thursday, $20 to win 400 at 20 to one um, that this is how quickly and I'm t- giving you the here because this is how quickly he's ascended into this conversation. A- and I believe if the Nuggets continue to win games, um, Jokic has as good a chance to win MVP for a third year in a row for the first time since Larry Bird in the 1980s. I think he's got as good as any uh, chance to do it right now. But but is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing? Because on the surface, we said, Jamal, he'll be back and occupying so much of that airspace. Michael Porter Jr., right? I mean, this has just not been the case. It's just not been the case. Jamal, let's let, and, and Jokic give him all his props. He killed everyone. Mason Plumley, good to see you, former teammate. You can get this work too. I mean, he was serving everyone, all right? But... You look at uh, his running mate, you you hear the Batman and Robinson comparisons through the years, right, with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. We talked about Jamal in the most recent episode and how it's like kind of concerning with what we're seeing from Jamal Um, from a disposition standpoint, eye test standpoint, stats. I mean, Jamal, once again, really struggled. It was ugly. It was ugly. Now, it wasn't all bad. Uh, Jamal had 11 assists on Sunday night against the Hornets, but in 35 minutes, he goes two for 11, 0 for six from three, just doesn't look like himself. Now, again, wasn't all bad. Had a hang in the air, finish with the left hand, had a, a really nice kick out assist to Aaron Gordon in the corner, had a handful of assist, uh, to Jokic, right? That's probably the best way to get a uh, assist right now is just get, get the ball in the hands of Nikola Jokic in a position to score. And he's most likely going to come through for you. But all the other stuff, the shot making, the eye test, he just doesn't look like he has the same spirit. And he's uh, he's going through it right now. He's going through it. Now, what exactly is he going through? Well, that's kind of a problem. We're not sure. All right. Uh, Michael Malone talked about it. That um, Now, actually, this is kind of confusing because Jamal popped up on the injury report, but it said that he had like a left ankle issue. Okay. Left ankle. But in the postgame, Mike Malone said that, um, that Jamal, his knee is sore, the, the, the surgically repaired knee. Now, those are two different things. But if like, did you know that Jamal Murray's knee was sore before the game, or did, did he tell you that after the game? And I think that's important. Because before the game, they say, hey, let's, let's work through it. Let's get through warm-ups uh, and see how you feel. And, of course, Jamal wants to play, right? That's Jamal. But were you trying to get through warm-ups to see how your ankle felt? Or were you trying to get through warm-ups to see how the knee felt? And if it's the latter, if there's any game to say, actually, Jamal, we're okay. We don't need you to fight through this tonight. It would have been at home in December against the Charlotte Hornets. All right? But that's not how they chose to operate. Again, was it the knee or was it the ankle? If you are running risks at home against Charlotte in December, that's just a bad plan if it's the knee. If it's the knee. Now was it the ankle in the pregame and you know um and then the knee became sore during the game? If that's the case then I don't. I don't think that we should see Jamal Murray in the following game, which is I believe uh, it's against Memphis, right? For the number one seed, it's going to be on TNT on Tuesday night. Yeah, Memphis Tuesday night, eight o'clock start. Like this is not the time to be battling through. The investment in Jamal is so great, and the time lost has been so great that I, you got to pick your spots here. All right, discretion is the better part of valor. If he had a setback um, against the Hornets. Proceed with caution, and if he had a setback before that and he played through it anyway, I think that's an organizational mistake because of the, the, the heights that this team wishes to reach, and you cannot get there without Jamal Murray. So I'm going to continue to follow this story very closely, uh, and and we'll talk about it uh, here continuously on, on the Mile High whos podcast. Um, Michael Malone also, uh, uh, speaking of which, on, on the injury front, um actually gave a um, a timetable for Michael Porter Jr. And it sounds like um, in the next, uh, well, well, let's just start here. He, he could be back soon, okay? Michael Malone said pregame, uh, uh, before the Hornets game, that he has a chance to play in the next 7 to 10 days. That's really good news, all right? He's dealing with that left foot injury. This guy's been through it, but I, I'm, if this is what the offense looks like without him, right now I think it's just behind Boston for uh, second best in the NBA. It's it's stellar. The offense is stellar. The defense still not great. And I don't really care about what the numbers said after the Hornets game. I watched that game. I did not see great defense. I saw a bunch of missed shots, and those are those are not the same. Okay, They're, they're just not. Um, I am still uh, very concerned about the defense of this team. We talked about it uh, more expansively on the last episode. Championship teams of any era do not look like this defensively. And in my opinion, championship habits matter. If you intend on getting to the mountaintop, this is not a program that's ever been there. You are trying to build up to that point. So I'm trying to reconcile the Nuggets winning you know, a game or some games here and being what seven games above 500 one game behind, um, you know, Memphis for the one seed, but also viewing it through the lens of my basketball instincts, knowing what it's going to take later this year. So again, we talked about a lot in the last episode. If you missed it, check it out. Um, But but I I still am concerned. Um, It's sort of the same old issues. Here we are in this season that we've been building to and Jamal is just a little bit off. Michael Porter Jr. is not healthy. It seems like a rinse and repeat here. So still a lot of time left, um, but I'm proceeding with caution. All right. Um, Thank God they won that game, guys. If they didn't lose that game following what happened against the Lakers, like I was already here's the thing. Like you you, you won the basketball game. It took everything from yoke. um, It took everything, everything from the reigning MVP to beat the worst team in the NBA on your home floor. Um, You take the win and move the hell on, I suppose, But I am not going to let a win wash away some of with some of the stuff that I'm seeing, and it's becoming more and more regular. That loss on Friday night on ESPN that was among the most embarrassing moments for uh, this Nuggets organization in recent memory. That was a complete unraveling against Los Angeles In, in, in front of everyone. I mean, Anthony Davis goes out of the game, and and that was the response. I just they rolled over and died in the second half of that game and more specifically the fourth quarter. And I was so discouraged. And I go into Sunday night like, okay, this is this is low key a response. Like, where are you at? Where are you at? And I just wasn't um <laughs> at all satisfied with what happened at Ball Arena despite the win and despite the historic performance from Jokic, because it shouldn't have, have come to that. And it did. So yeah. Um, the bench was terrible again. They gave up that lead at the end of the third quarter. I think it was a thirteen to zero run. The transition from the third to the fourth quarter just ugly man i, I and i can 't explain why uh that second unit is is this bad um, it's it 's discouraging so this is a very this is a very flawed team right now that is finding their way, but I I didn't think that they would um be wandering through the proverbial NBA regular season desert uh this way. But you don't want to seem like an ingrate because this is a team that's, you know, won six of their last ten and, you know, is nine and three at home now. And, you know, um yeah, I, so it's complicated. <laughs> like the relationship status, if 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 like the old Facebook, if you were gonna label it right now, um it's it's complicated. So My biggest takeaway, though, we'll forget this game. I won't forget the habits that are forming, though. We'll remember it for the Jokic game, an all-time historic performance. But beyond that, it's like eh, a little bit squirrely right now, a little bit squirrely. So it's imperfect. We're going to come back here um, and uh, and save ourselves for Wednesday because on Tuesday night, it's a national televised game to one of the sexiest teams in the NBA right now, one of the most exciting teams um, in Memphis. And the Nuggets are going to need to bring it. Some other different version of themselves that they haven't been showing lately, that's what you're going to need to beat uh, a Memphis team that is coming off of a loss, by the way, against Oklahoma City. But before that, had won seven straight games. And um, gosh, Memphis has the juice right now. Let's see if the uh, see if the Nuggets can match it, because I'm not feeling the juice right now from uh, from from the Denver Nuggets. So we'll leave it there for now. And whatever happens on Tuesday night on TNT against Memphis, you know, we'll be talking about it on Wednesday right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning into the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.